Hello, and thank you for downloading the first of the Literary Mission Church podcast. Today is the 25th of December 2008, and speaking is Martin Wright. 20 verses, and he actually speaks about the shepherds. And um, I have to say, at, I think it was about 20 to 10 this morning, I was still in my dressing gown, left it getting ready so I didn't you know, tip any breakfast down me. And then found the trousers I was going to wear were actually dirty, so I couldn't wear those. And I went to get another pair, and they were a little bit suspect, so I'm not quite sure how these all ended up back in the wardrobe. My fault, but there we go. So he nearly had me dressed as a shepherd (laughs) delivering the sermon this morning. But uh, we managed to find something in the the wardrobe. Right, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. How much trouble do you have buying Christmas presents? Did you have trouble this year? Did you struggle and worry and spend hours trying to work out what would be that special gift that would mean so much to your loved ones? For all sorts of reasons, buying presents for our closest relatives can be very, very difficult. So often you hear conversations where people are discussing what they're going to get for their nearest and dearest at Christmas. 
And it has to be said that usually it's the men who find the most difficulty deciding what to buy. And the conversations tend to go something like this. So, what are you going to get your wife for Christmas this year then? Hmm, not sure. You know what it's like. If I get clothes, they're never the right size. If I buy it too small, she'll say, how am I going to fit into that? Are you trying to say I need to go on a diet? And if I buy it too big, well, that's even worse. And if I, and if I do manage to check on the right sizes, the problems have only just started. Not only have the colours got to be right, there's got to be the right shade, they've got to be the right material, can't be dry clean only. And those buttons with the little shiny bits in the middle, they'll never do. <coughs> the list is never ending. And even though we so often struggle with what presents to buy, we very rarely pick up on hints, do we? It's true. And I'm talking to the women here as well as the men. <laughs> in fact, I'm beginning to think that there must be some unwritten rule of astrophysics that even Einstein managed to miss. And it goes something along the lines of the size of the hint is inversely proportional to the chances of it being heard. <laughs> One of my colleagues in work was telling me recently that um, a few years ago, uh, for several weeks before Christmas, every time she walked past a particular jeweler's shop with her husband, she would stop briefly and point and say, ooh, isn't that a nice bracelet? <laughs> every time, it was the same jeweler's shop, the same bracelet, multiple occasions. And when Christmas Day finally arrived, she made her way downstairs, and much to her surprise, her husband, no doubt with lots of thought and planning, had gone out and bought her a bike. <laughs> <coughs> wow, was she not impressed. <laughs> Your gentle hints don't work. No matter how many times they're made, they never, ever manage to make it through. Even blatant hints don't stand much chance of working. They just seem to bounce off our skulls and head off out into outer space. For men, there are two good options when it comes to buying presents for their wives. One is just tell me what you'd like. Be precise. Not just the shop, not even the section or the aisle in which the item can be found. We need to hear the item name, the description, the colour, the size, the price, what it's situated next to, and even though it's pushing it, a catalogue number or a barcode <laughs> would be good. That is a pretty good option for men. Sure, it means the element of surprise is gone, but we can usually cope with that. The surprise element is that we actually manage to organise it before the January sales. <laughs> And the second, and it has to be said more cowardly option, is for your wife to buy the present herself and give it to you to wrap. <coughs> a word of warning though, if you do plump for that option, it does require you to go out and buy the wrapping paper, at least as a token gesture. <laughs> and if by some chance there is a man sitting here this morning thinking smugly to himself, well I don't have these sorts of problems buying presents for my wife, 
can I politely suggest that you don't share that with any of the other men here <laughs> because they'll hate you forever, you'll have no friends. Either that or they'll ask you to do their shopping next year. And even though we may find difficulty buying presents for our wives, and often our wives find it a minefield trying to buy presents uh, for us, children are different. More often than not, kids are very, very good at sharing what they would like to receive as gifts. And the story is told of two young brothers who went to stay with their grandparents um, just a few weeks before Christmas. And as they were going to bed, the older brother said his prayers. Only he said them a little bit louder than usual. He said, Dear Lord, thank you for all the good things you do for us. And please, if it's possible, could I have a new bike for Christmas and maybe even a PlayStation? Thank you. Amen. And his younger brother said to him, Why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. No, but Grandma is, he said. <laughs> you know, frequently we're, we're very much aware of the sort of gifts that our kids would not only enjoy, but also benefit from receiving. Gifts that will help them grow and develop. Gifts that will help them learn. <coughs> gifts that will enable them to laugh and play and enjoy childhood and growing up. And giving good gifts to our children brings joy to us as well. The benefit and the appreciation is mutual. And in the passage of scripture that we just read, the angel appeared to the shepherds and he didn't want them to be in any doubt about the message. God had just given the greatest gift he could ever give to his children. There was a palpable excitement. There was joy. There was a buzz in the air that had never been there before. God didn't want to just drop a hint. He didn't just want to make a gentle suggestion about the event that had taken place. No, this was a momentous occasion. This was a turning point in history. This was spiritual revolution. Nothing was ever going to be the same again. No amount of hinting was going to be good enough. God wanted it proclaimed loud and clear what had happened. His son, the Lord Jesus, had left the Father's right hand and been born as a baby. But it wasn't just the joy of a new baby being born. This was the Messiah. The one promised throughout the Old Testament. The law was going to be fulfilled. The plan of salvation was going to be put into action. <coughs> At last, there was hope for mankind. Whether or not you're good at taking hints from your wife or your husband or your brother or your sister or whoever it might be about Christmas presents is really not a massively significant concern. <coughs> but are you good at taking the hints about Jesus? Are you open-minded enough to let God get your attention? To take the hints, whether gentle or blatant, that he is real, that he is interested in you, 
and that how you respond to him whilst you are here on earth will have consequences that will last forever into eternity. The shepherds received some news that was very clear, direct and specific. The news was from a rather unconventional source and it certainly came backed up with supporting evidence. The angel who appeared to them delivered a clear message and the message was then backed up by a mass choir of angels singing praises to God. And we read this story so often, particularly at this time of year, that as with many of the stories we read in the Bible, we can lose the wonder of exactly what the events must have been like when they happened. You know, the shepherds were a, a group of hard-working men. They would have been used to being, to, uh, to being out in the countryside in all weathers and at all times of day and night. They would have had quite hard lives. They wouldn't have been wealthy landowners, but rather poor individuals who had to struggle to feed and to support their families. There they were, camped out overnight yet again, when all of a sudden an angel appeared to them. I think it's a pretty safe bet that they had never had an angel appear to them before, just like I think it's a pretty safe bet that none of us here this morning have ever had an angel appear to us and proclaim a specific message from God. If it did happen to us, we might be shocked, surprised, taken aback, sceptical, scared, and all manner of other emotions all at the same time. And the shepherds were just the same. So the angel calmed them down and told them not to be afraid so that they could actually listen to what he had to say. And then he proceeded to tell them that the Messiah had been born. This was the Messiah who had been promised by God and long awaited over many centuries. And yet I'm sure that they never thought that they, as a simple bunch of shepherds, would ever have been likely to witness such an event for themselves. Surely they must have misheard. Had they really just had a visit from an angel? A real, live, straight out of heaven angel? And had he really just told them that the Messiah had come? Surely the angel must have got his bearings wrong. Thought he'd gone to see the Pharisees, you know, the clever religious types, and got the shepherds by mistake. But no, angels don't make mistakes with directions. And then, just to back up the message, just to make sure that the shepherds really did get the message, really did believe it was from God and was meant for them, a mass choir of angels appeared and started a late-night worship service, the kind of worship service where God really is the focus and which none of the men who witnessed it would ever forget. This certainly got the shepherds' attention. The things that they had seen and heard needed to be acted upon. This really was God speaking to them, and they couldn't just settle back down to looking after sheep, doing the laundry and flicking channels on TV. The angel had told them where they would find the Messiah, so they just had to go and see him for themselves. And that's exactly what they did. They heard the news and they acted on it. 
And you know something? Those shepherds were never the same again. They had met the saviour of the world and they made sure that everyone they met heard the news. When someone truly meets Jesus, the difference is clear. You don't need mind-bending arguments, persuasive techniques, or brilliant intellect. A life that has been genuinely changed by Jesus is clear for all to see and hear. It won't be a perfect life, but it will be a changed life. And as I said, I think it's safe to say that uh, none of us here have experienced anything quite like the shepherd's experience. Bold proclamations from angels and heaven-sent choirs in spite of the one that sang for us earlier. Conducting impromptu worship concerts are not common experiences. God tends to speak to us in different ways, often a little more subtle and reserved than the way he proclaimed the birth of his son. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. The world around us is filled with wonders that point to God. The vast complexities and intricacies of the living world, <coughs> often things that we take for granted, but when we sit and think about them, really cannot be explained without God. When we look in the mirror and we begin to see the signs of ageing, it's a gentle, subtle reminder that we need to start thinking about the things of eternity. We might be able to leave our Christmas shopping to the last minute and still get what we want, but often it means the gifts are all sold out and we or someone else ends up disappointed. We must be very careful not to leave eternal things, spiritual things, to the last minute. Because we can never be quite sure when the last minute is going to be. When we're looking for, for hints about God, one of the most obvious places to look is in the Bible. And we're fortunate that we have the benefit of being able to pick up a Bible and read what it says. To see for ourselves how we have the need of a saviour who that saviour is and how we can be made right with God. The Bible is full of good advice. Sure, some of it might be a little easier to understand and some of it might be more difficult to understand, but God will reveal to us what we need to know if we genuinely seek him. Sometimes God does have to get our attention in a more noticeable manner. The subtle, gentle hinting approach doesn't always work. Sometimes we need to hear it loud and clear, just like the Christmas gift suggestions. Written down, size, colour, price, catalogue number. And sometimes God will allow things to happen, either specifically to us, or maybe in a more general way, in the world around us, that will grab our attention and force us to come to the point where we have to decide what we're going to do about Jesus. Are we going to take the hint and like the shepherds get up and go to meet Jesus or are we going to ignore him? Are we going to be like one of the many hundreds of people who were in Bethlehem the night Jesus was born? Either because they lived there anyway 
or like the others who'd had to travel there for the census. You know, the ones who got there early, who managed to find a hotel room with a comfortable bed, the ones who had proper meals prepared for them, the ones who were going to be warm at night, the ones who could enjoy the trip as a bit of a holiday. They were there, staying in the same town as the newborn Messiah, but they didn't get to see him. They didn't take the time to look and see who was in front of their eyes. They were comfortable, going about their lives completely unaware that God himself was living amongst them. Do you expect God to speak to you? Or are you a bit cynical or sceptical? Or maybe you feel let down by God or the church. Or you think that you just don't matter to God or maybe anyone else. The shepherds weren't expecting it, but it didn't stop God speaking to them. We don't know an awful lot about the shepherds. It has been suggested that they, they may have been responsible for caring for the flocks that provided the lambs for the sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem, although scripture isn't clear about that. It would make a lot of sense, though, if they were the temple shepherds. It would be as if God was saying, look... You have to keep providing lambs for the sacrifices in the temple so that sins might be forgiven. But now I am providing a perfect, <coughs> sinless, spotless lamb. It was just as John the Baptist exclaimed later on when Jesus started his ministry. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The law was going to be fulfilled. The old ways will pass and a new way has come. Salvation has come for the world, Jew and Gentile alike. A free gift. One sacrifice that will pay the price for sin. Every sin in the past, every sin in the present, and every sin in the future. You shepherds can leave your sheep and instead follow the Lamb of God. And the message is the same for us. We need to stop thinking we're okay just by trying to do the right thing, by living a good life or by being a nice person. We have to accept our need of forgiveness, the need to turn from our own ways, acknowledge our inability to be good enough to save ourselves and instead put our faith in Jesus. I hope the message of Christmas is clear to us all. It's not just about the romanticised picture of a baby in a stable. It's about the free gift of the Son of God, given to accomplish the plan of salvation, given that we might know <coughs> peace with God, a new start, a sure and certain future for all eternity, given because of the love that God has for us. Initially, when the angel appeared to the shepherds, they were terrified. A perfectly understandable reaction when you consider what was happening to them. But they didn't remain terrified. The angel told them that he had good news for them. That would bring them great joy, and not only them, but the whole world. The host of angels who appeared and were praising God said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, 
peace to men on whom his favour rests. And we read later on, after the shepherds had hurried to see Jesus, that they told everyone what had happened, and they returned home, glorifying and praising God. The shepherds had a choice when the angel visited. They could have ignored what they were told and just carried on living their lives. Maybe put it down to an over-spicy dinner and a few too many glasses of wine. Just a figment of their imagination or a dream. Nothing to be concerned about. Just carry on with life just as before. And we also have several options when it comes to how we respond to the things we hear about God. You might be thinking that you would react differently <coughs> if you had your own personal angel visit, complete with starlit musical accompaniment. But I'm not so sure that would really change much. Because we're saved by faith, not by proof. There comes a point where we must stop making excuses and look for the answer to every question we can come up with before we believe. Excuses just don't wash with God, because excuses aren't valid. And there was a pastor who, with that thought in mind, got fed up with all the excuses that he had heard over the years as to why people didn't want to go to church. And so he wrote a piece for their church notice sheet entitled, Ten Reasons Why I Never Wash. Ten Reasons Why I Never Wash. One. I was forced to as a child. Two, people who wash are hypocrites. They think they are cleaner than everyone else. Three, there are so many different kinds of soap. I can't decide which one's best. Four, I used to wash, but I got bored and stopped. Five, I only wash on special occasions like Christmas and Easter. Six, none of my friends wash. Seven, I'll start washing when I get older and dirtier. Eight, I can't spare the time. Nine, the bathroom's always too cold in winter. And ten, people who make soap are just after your money. God doesn't want us to make excuses. He wants us to love him and ask him to make us the people he wants us to be. He wants us to know spiritual blessings that are better than anything the world has to offer. When we're right with God, then his favour rests upon us. And as the heavenly host declared, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. This means that when we're right with God, then we will know peace. We often speak of Christmas as being a time of peace and joy, but in reality, it frequently is far from that. It's often a time of stress and heartache. But we can know peace, real peace, when we know Jesus for ourselves. It was the reality for the shepherds, and it can be the reality for each one of us. And I hope that each one of you will have a truly enjoyable and memorable Christmas and that you will know God's peace in your heart in the coming year. Amen. Amen. <coughs> We're going to, uh, to sing again. Uh, number 154. 154, O Camel, ye faithful. Again, another well-known carol. 154. 
Christmas time. And Lord, we just pray that uh, you would uh, go with us, that you would bless each one of us and bless our families too. Pray that we would have a, a good time at this Christmas time. And now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. If you would like to know more information, please go on www.litchadmission.co.uk. Thanks for listening.